This is Diary of a Nation. I'm your host, Christina Zlotnick. My podcast explores the human experience. Mariana Lundberg grew up in Ukraine. She's fluent in Russian, Ukrainian, and English. She's a naturalized U.S. citizen and has lived here with her family for the past 20 years, in New Hampshire for the past six. Today, her mother and grandmother remain in Ukraine. I recently invited Mariana to my home to talk about her country's war with Russia. You grew up in Odessa, the port city along the Black Sea. What was life like in Ukraine when you lived there? Uh, well, uh, it was a Soviet Union that, uh, and, you know, like normal children, uh, I was going, I was in school, you know, like with friends. And um, I was a pioneer, which is like scouts here. So we were like uh, doing a lot of like taught um, to do uh, good deeds to people, help people, uh, recycling, uh, collecting metal, new uh, um, papers and recycle it, some kind of stuff like that. Like we have the Girl Scouts. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, not it's, it wasn't like boy or girl; it was like all together. Yes. But then, um, in nineteen ninety one, right, the Soviet uh, Union fell apart. I was in seventh grade, so basically, the Soviet Union part, I wasn't. I don't remember much. I mean, it just was like for me, it was normal childhood. You know, like you don't concentrate on like what's going on, like politics or anything. You're happy with your friends. You're doing going to school, studying and stuff like that. So that, it was fun. It was uh, we were learning good things, helping people and stuff like that. Uh, so in seventh grade, when I was in seventh grade, the and the Soviet Union fell apart. Then Ukraine became independent. So I started remembering it a little bit more. You know about that. That was 1991. Yeah. So basically, I was uh, growing up in Odessa, and it is a special city. It's it's actually not only special for me because I grew up there. It's actually a special uh, for many people. It's very famous, um, not only in Ukraine, but in other um, uh, former uh, Soviet Union republic as well, because it's uh, considering the capital of the humor city. Oh, yes. I think I read about that. Plus, it's a beautiful Resort city. It's a, a coastal city. Port city. So we have uh, many international sailors walking uh, around the streets, uh, hear different languages. We have uh, many international tourists coming uh, and tourists just, you know, to spend the summers. Uh, uh, and it's a very beautiful city, too. It was built by. Um, Italian architect architects and um, we have um, our architecture is very beautiful. It's, it's actually uh, there is a saying that Odessa is a little Paris. It's so cute, you know, um, and beautiful. So basically, it's, it's famous for the architecture, for uh, for being international, for being the uh, capital of the humor, uh, and and it's uh, for people. The people are considering very talented there and very uh, social and kind. What languages did you know as a child? Uh, Odessa and Odessa area is a Russian-speaking area. So it's like most of the eastern side. Plus, we were also part of Soviet Union, which was Russian was official language. And of course, we were all, um, everything was in Russian. In school, I was learning Ukrainian language as well. This is why I know that. Um, but it was like a secondary language. And we also learned a little bit English, but not much. <laughs> Your grandfather lived in Russia, in St. Petersburg, where President Putin was born and 
you know, it was known as Leningrad back then. Yes. Have you been to Russia? Yes, we uh, with my mom, uh, we visited my grandfather when I was like, I think maybe 12 years old, I think. I like don't remember much, but I just uh, remember that that city was very beautiful too because of the history, the grand palaces, um, museums, but it was very cold. You know, Odessa is like a very warm climate city. And in uh, St. Petersburg, I remember I was always cold because it was always raining. Uh, other than that, I didn't. But my mom did. My mom did visit it a couple of more times, uh, her father, my grandma, my grandfather. You told me before today that you have been monitoring Russian propaganda because you speak Russian and you understand Russian what have you seen and read and heard with respect uh, to the war? Yes, I, I, I know all these three languages are fluent in them, and I was um, trying to basically get the information from all possible sources to kind of like trying to hear what the uh, other side would hear. Well, the thing is that... Uh, I, I can't. I can't hear that for long. I mean, it's just uh, seems so unbelievably stupid, not logical. I mean, to the person who have access to all kind of different uh, informational sites, uh, you have your mind working by putting things together, by making logical connections, uh, and kind of making it work. You know, to to understand what is might be true, what is not. And that one, you just like um, hearing that and you understand that that's not logical. That can be true. I mean, how people can listen to that. So it's not possible to very listen for very long. It's frustrating. And it's very frustrating. So propaganda started a long time ago, as I understand. I wanted to tell you about that story about my classmates. You see, in, in school, we have people staying in the same class for 10 years. But we do have only one school and one class and you go there in the first grade and you stay with the same people for 10 years until the end of the school. So basically, you can imagine how well you know these people. They're like family to you, like they're definitely your best friends. And so one of these classmates, he moved to Russia and we were communicating after that when I already was in, in the USA through the social media, we were doing that texting and stuff. And he was like, um, getting very weird saying stuff like that there is Nazis in Ukraine and stuff like that. And I was visiting my mom during all this time when I moved. So I basically was telling him how it is what I see there, because that's my experience from my eyes. And he knows me, he's supposed to believe me, but he didn't. It was so weird that he was like, you know, nothing. Yeah, I know better sitting in the other country. An old classmate. Yes. Yes. He's challenging you on Yes, and he gets so information. he gets so aggressive that one time I hear from him, I wish I can have my arms like guns, get it and go there and shoot, you know, all those Banderas, Nazis and, you know, all your uh people there. And then I heard that and it's like, I mean, oh my gosh, you're really gonna shoot in us that you grew up with us. And I didn't want to really talk to him anymore, so I just like stopped talking to him and I didn't want to do that. So that was a long time ago. Your mother and your grandmother live in Odessa today. Yes. Well, 
I would love to have my mom here with me. I miss her greatly. We talk on the phone every day and she miss her grandchildren a lot. I would really, really want her to be with us. Uh, but it's not possible. Uh, I have my grandmother who's 92 year old who needs to be taken care of. And uh, she's staying there uh, to take care of her. So I don't have any other family member to take care of her. Do they want to leave Odessa? My mom would probably want to, to be with me, but she can't. Not because of the war, but because she just always wanted to to be with me. Uh, That was the plan. That's still our plan. Uh, But uh, she needs to take care of my grandma, her mom. Who is not able to? Who or is, unwilling? She to is. Leave? Yeah, she's. She's not really much a walker. She, she right. barely she's walks. Old. She's very old. She has some uh, spine issue, and she doesn't want to. That's the main thing. She's saying like, my life been here. I don't want to move anywhere. It's like I'm gonna stay here. Even right now, we were discussing the evacuation in case the things going very badly for Odessa. And I was telling my mom that you will have to probably to to tell her, you know, my grandma, to to move. Even even then, my grandma saying, like, I'm not moving anywhere. I'm just going to die here. So basically, <laughs> I don't know really what's going to happen. You ask only about my mom and grandma. I also talk to my friends. I ask them if they go into thinking of evacuating from Odessa. And um, basically, all, all of them were saying a firm no. Uh, I heard the responses like, this is my city. I'm not leaving it. I want to stay here. I want to help to defend it. I'm going to do what I can. Uh, so basically, uh, I even know some some of my friends. They uh, they went to the uh, territorial, um, like those civilian territorial protection uh, group. Some of them uh, helping as a volunteer in the hospitals, uh, or volunteering like delivering food, medicine, and stuff like that. They staying put. They they preparing to fight. <laughs> it has Hopefully. to be so heartbreaking for you. So far away to watch this unfold and to see them there. It's, it's hard to explain with the words, really, how hard it is. Uh, so basically, I, I really would love to be there. It's, at some point, I was like, it was crazy. I was thinking to go there as soon as I heard about the war started. And I told my husband, like, really, I'm going to go there and help them. And my husband's like, are you crazy? You know, what if you die there? I mean, uh, you have three children. We need you. You can't go there. So so I can't go there and I can't be with her to support her, even to hug her. You know, uh, she um, at the beginning was very scared. Sure. I mean, people getting used to things, to horrible things. But at the beginning, they're not ready for that. And uh, talking with her on the phone, hearing her crying and not able even to hug her and, and uh, you know, be there with, with her to support or, or even help her to go to the store and, or get some medicine and stuff Which like that. Which must be incredibly hard right now um, to find food, to find medicine, well, to find it, a safe place when, to When the war live. started, people get scared, so they close all the – they didn't know what to expect, so they close all the uh, pharmacies and stores and just, like, we're, like – laying low so that was the the uh, time when she couldn't get her medication that she needs for high blood pressure and for her uh, diabetes 
Uh, so basically, the volunteers they helped her. I was I was first trying to reach to my classmates through this, the um, the social media and stuff, that, so they can help her. Then I found someone who knows volunteer and organization in Odessa, and they help her to get the medication. Uh, but right now, right now, um, the Odessa is staying. Um, in a kind of weird position, I wouldn't say they're safe like the West uh, Ukraine, but they're not as um, in, in a horror like the East Ukraine, like Kharkiv or Kiev, or where is like the whole uh, action is going on the uh, the actual war zone. So they're not in the war zone, but that's a weird position because they do have a blockage from the sea. There is like eleven ships, warships there, and they're shooting from time to time to that. So they're not shooting them like a full scale, but they, they have like five or six um, air sirens every day. And Your mother and grandmother hear those sirens every day? Yes, they do. My my mom, she uh, we, we don't have a basement or any other shelters anywhere around where they live. So basically, she found a place in the house behind the um, cabinet, clothes cabinet for the clothes. As it's just a little little area behind that wooden cabinet um, where we're hanging our clothes, and she dragged the uh, chair there. So every time she hear the air sirens, she would take the water, some food, just in case something happened, and then she go there. And there is like a, a a room next to it, and the door you can kind of like close that space. So she's in that little space, which I understand. Not really safe. I mean, but for her, it is something, at least. She feels kind of safe in that uh, little uh, clothes. My grandmother doesn't hear much, so she doesn't even wake up. And she's like in, in her room and my mom doesn't wake her up. She doesn't want to upset her or anything. Uh, yeah, so the shooting, uh, the bombing right now is increasing. The, she's saying that the city is trying to live the normal life right now. First of all, first shock left right so people kind of like take a deep breath and said okay it is what it is we're in war right now we're not in that bad position in other cities and we're going to take that time to prepare for the battle and so what the city right now is doing is preparing for a blockage so they're stocking up food and water and medicine right now they are preparing uh they're blocking the uh, roads for the tanks they are putting the mines along the uh seashore we do have um civilians civilian organization that's called uh, uh territorial uh protection group which is basically the uh, men civilian men who decided that they're going to sign up uh, they're given arms they're not an army man or anything like that but they get a little training and they're willing to uh defend the city uh so and it's it's uh so much uh in demand that they have a waiting list so men are signing on the waiting list to be called when there is a position they're saying we, we don't need it right now but if the action starts we'll give you a call and they're like okay we will be ready so they're willing to uh, to protect to their city and uh, uh, women uh, cooking and feeding them and uh, doing all this masking nets and other stuff, whatever necessary. I, I heard that some restaurants are cooking food for free to those soldiers. I mean, they're not soldiers, like I just said, they're civilians, but, you know, they have duties to patrol the uh, city, keeping it safe for any diversions and stuff like that. Um, so 
basically people getting like my mom said she, when she's going to uh, to get the food and other stuff that she's saying like people are just so kind to each other right now they're just supportive they just they just like like never before taking care of each other. Uh, we have volunteer groups who are taking care of the people who can't walk and they need to get uh, medicine or food delivered. They do that. Um, so um, basically, the, the city is trying to live a normal life. They they don't have any shortage of food or medicine right now. Um, so I think for now, they're okay. So What do your mother and grandmother tell you on the phone? Grandma just like... Uh, saying hi occasionally because she's mostly in her room. With my mom, we have more longer conversation every day. The, my morning actually starts with calling her. As soon as I wake up and open my eyes, I'm calling her to ask her, how are you? How is she? <laughs> she always says she's fine. She's, my, my mom is tough. My mom is very tough. I mean, in the beginning, she was in shock. She was a little bit scared, but then she gets used to uh, to the situation, she actually was trying to cheer me up because I was more upset than her. I was more worried than her. So she was trying to calm me down more than I do to her. And she's like, uh, sometimes we're talking and she's like, oh, there is an air sirens, but I'm baking the cake, so I can't really stop now. So it's like, oh my gosh, you're baking the cake during the, you know, the air attack. Uh, but she's saying that she can right now even hear by the sound what is it is it like um, a, a rocket is um, shoot uh, sh- shot by the uh, Russian ship or it is our uh, protection uh, system shooting flying and shooting that rocket so it wouldn't land so she kind of like recognized the different sounds now and she's like oh okay this is our shooting so that's fine they're protecting us so she she knows by the sound or she thinks she does I don't know the frequency of the bombing lately is a little bit getting her upset, which influenced me greatly. I mean, every time I I talk to her, like whatever her mood is, my mood for the whole day sets my mood for the whole day. What is her typical day like? Uh, she, she has to go to get the food or medicine occasionally. And the food, she likes to go to the market. In Odessa, uh, that's another thing about our city is we are probably... Uh, um, never going to have problems with food because we don't rely on the store much. We rely on the people in the Odessa area, farmers who would just bring the fresh stuff, the fruits, the vegetables, the meat, the fish, the fishes from the sea, you know, right there. And um, basically you go to the food market and you have good prices and you always have someone to, to willing to sell stuff to you. So she likes to go there, really. And you can bargain there. Uh, I will I love to go there when I, I visit it. Every time it's like fre- the fish market with full of fresh, all kind of different fish or, or sea creature or seafood. Uh, you can imagine. And it is still alive. And just the, today's catch, so fresh. And so you buy it, you bring it home, you cook it, and it tastes wonderful. It never tastes anything like that before. I mean, it, I don't taste anything like that, you know, in here. Was your mother expecting war because everyone knew about the russian troop buildup in oh the days God. and weeks you know ahead what? of you know what? february 24th nobody expected that i mean i don't know about the government what they were thinking because i heard that they were actually uh told that they were going to happen by the uh, spies and stuff so they supposedly knew but the normal people 
they they saw the news about the the army is um, <clears throat> gathering along the borders and stuff. But, you know, we, we have those armies since 2014 gathering everywhere along the borders. And they're always saying, it's like, oh, we're, we're doing trainings here. We can do trainings anywhere we want in, in our, as long as we're in our country. You know, you can't tell us where to go. So basically, everybody thinking, okay, they are gathering their troops. So it's going to be something, but most people thought it's going to be more maybe escalating of the conflict on the borders. But nobody from, like, any people I talk and I know expected the uh, full-scale invasion. Because our two countries, they are just so, um, have a history together because of the um, business relationship, uh, private relationship. You know, like, family, whereas one is, wife is Ukrainian, uh, husband is Russian. Uh, or even children live in Russia while their parents live in Ukraine. So basically, see, uh, to understand how it is, it's like just imagine two states in the United States. They're two different states. They have different laws, right? But they're like kind of in the same country. I know it's kind of like a weird example because it's the same country. But just but imagine. But still, you're very ima- interconnected in so many ways. That's how you, you Ukraine have and you, Russia. probably a lot of people in USA – they have relatives in different states. And they yes. go visit. Just imagine one state is decided to declare the war and invade another state. That's how it is feels. So that is a shock for everybody. It's, it's just such a tragedy. Nobody expect that. You met your American husband through a dating website. So we both were married before. And uh, it failed. And uh, why did I do that? I still don't really know my friend, my girlfriend. She said, like, you know what would be cool to meet uh, someone from a different country and, uh, you know, get married and go to a different country, immigrate. And what attracted I said, you to that idea? See, originally, that's a big I, step. Originally, I wasn't really attracted to that idea, but I just went with her as a, like, uh, for, for company. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because she was interested in She was that. interested, She yes. was Ukrainian and interested in marrying an American she was. herself. Funny thing, she didn't. She, she didn't actually marry anyone. And you went through with it. But I did. I mean, I met my husband, and he got really interested in me, and uh, we started writing letters, and he visited me a couple of times, actually. And it's basically uh, start getting, like, really serious very fast. And I was not ready for I wasn't ready for that. I, was, I remember I was asking my mom, like, Mom, to, I mean, can I go through with that? Can I just go to a different country? Because it was a big thing to go and just leave everything behind. And she uh, still said, I, I can't decide for you. you. You need to decide. You need to make this. It was a sleepless night for me that day <laughs> when he proposed and stuff. I mean, he still can uh, believe that I said, I'll think about it. Because he would expect me like, yes, you know, I'll marry you. So when he's like, will you marry me? And I was like, let me think about it. <laughs> it's like, well, it's a huge <laughs> step when you're thinking of coming to another country. Yeah. Why do you think that practice is so popular? Ukrainian women on a dating site looking for american men i don't really know i mean i just i just know that my husband he's very adventurous um he said he heard that you know dessa we have very beautiful women um so he's right rumors <laughs> thank you was it adventure for you too 
Yes, it was a big adventure. It was so. Was that was one of the reasons? Scary big adventure. <laughs> but you, but you were willing to take that leap. Well, the thing is that uh, when I decided that I'm gonna go with him to uh, America, I didn't uh, really knew that I actually gonna marry him for sure. Uh, so we didn't get married. Uh, I got a fiance visa, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna go there. I have three months if they could get married or leave." So I was. I said I'm gonna use this three months to live with you and see how that's gonna go. We spent this three months and we uh, ended up marrying at the end of this three months. And that was twenty years ago. Yeah, it was in two thousand two. What's your life like now? You're a naturalized U.S. citizen. Like, how is it different from Ukraine? Yes. Well, it is different. Obviously, it's uh, at the beginning. It was very hard to get used uh, as. Uh, People, we have different mentality. Uh, obviously, we have different uh, styles of life and uh, different traditions and everything. So uh, to get used to it was uh, was hard. Uh, so I spent my first year basically trying to uh, learn the language, understand what people are talking around me. Because uh, with my husband, we were like uh, communicate through um, translator, I mean, interpreter. Uh, and then without interpreter, just like through science and some words I know and love language. <laughs> At the beginning, I couldn't even have a fight with him because of the uh, uh, language capacity. I didn't have enough vocabulary to explain him. <laughs> That's what a good I am, thing what, in a new relationship. It was a good thing, what, what I am upset with. So by the time I go to the vocabulary, find the words and like get my... He has already moved, you know, he's already in different room forget about what we were talking like how we're going like what's the point right to, to start it all over so we didn't really fight because of that much so you like it here i do i do like it here you feel free to wear whatever you want say whatever you want do whatever you want basically as long as it, you know like you're not doing anything illegal or something like that so basically it's really really big feelings of freedom and uh, feelings of protection for me that I feel protected. I feel protected by law that it is working. It's not corrupted. So if if I need that, I get I can get justice and and I feel secure and safe and safe in my future, uh, safe uh, with my health. I mean, it's a feeling of security and safety. Uh, that's I really like it here. But I do miss my country a lot. What do you miss about Ukraine? I mean, the cultural thing, the people. People are very open, very friendly, very social. Of course, I, I miss my family and I, and I miss my friends, but they're also the connection. We have differences. The big difference, I think, for me is how people partying here and in Ukraine, Russia. We uh, really love guests, welcoming them in our houses. They can stay for several days if they want, preparing a party. It's cooking a lot of food. Several days it took you to, to make a huge table full of different food. I think our cultures are very similar to uh, Latin American cultures in the loudness and the fiestas and things like that. The sense of community, the sense, sense of, of community. Family. Here it's more individualistic. Yes. That, I think you got it, what I wanted to say. <laughs> so that I miss um, a lot. Maybe this is why I always, not only me, but I think I think all the uh, people from 
you know, my country and other countries around my country, they just in here, they, they're looking for um, the people who speak the same language from the same country. Uh, they, they tend to reach to each other. It's nice that you have access to other Ukrainians here in New Hampshire. Without that, it would be very lonely. I would say. So, yes, it's it's very nice that I can meet uh, people. And, you know, before the recent uh, events, I wasn't even really thinking where is this person from and what language they speak. I mean, they speak most uh, former Soviet Union countries, which was like, what, 14 or 15 of them, they speak Russian because it was official language. And our generation still was you know, in the Soviet Union and learn that Russian language as the, uh, the native language, you know. So basically, I know people not only from Ukraine or Russia, I know from Kazakhstan, Belarus, uh, Turkmenia, Uzbekistan. So basically, the people from former Soviet Union republics, we all kind of like tend to, to reach to each other That's and understand each other. Tell me, what do you think of President Zelensky? And his performance during the war. Well, I I did love him even before. I know many people uh, didn't like his first years of presidency, even though he was elected by the uh, most people in the country. Uh, then they start critiquing him. What I never did. My mom never did. So I I knew him long before as a performer. It was one one of my favorite performers. He has such a big charisma, charisma, right? They are just charming, charming man and very talented. And as I heard, he's a very good um, director, firm, creative, kind of like know what he wants and uh, making people uh, see why is that needs to be done that way uh, even before. He became a president. So when he was elected as a president, I was like, wow, yes, really, that's good. That's going to be good. Because uh, seeing him in the live performances on the stage, I kind of have a sense of what uh, what kind of person he was, that he was sincere. All his performance was about uh, love to his country and really feeling much pain for what's happening with his country. And I was thinking, yes, that man going to make a difference. And when he was trying to break the system, he was trying to push away from Russia because Russia, the long since the Ukraine was independent, she was not really independent. The all government positions were appointed by Russian, by Russia, and dictated the rules what they're supposed to do. So it was more basically like a Belarus. Uh, I mean, at least Russia was trying to to make uh, Ukraine as a puppet. Uh, so basically, he was trying to break that system. He was trying to actually make Ukraine great. And I think he was do- going to uh, right directions. He was uh, doing a lot for the country as as international political uh, bonds, as um, building the um, structures inside the uh, country, like uh, building new roads, uh, trying to make a medical system work, educational system work. I mean, it's not easy to make. I mean, people who were impatient and saying, like, where is the changes? They don't understand that 30 or more years in this country, everything was going downfall. And then you need to basically redo the whole system, plus fighting with the uh, people who is uh, appointed 
by by Russia uh, and making some it's it's difficult for him to do. Uh, right, you have a democratically elected president fighting off an authoritarian regime. Yes, he's trying to do it correct. Uh, legitimate way and they are not playing by the rules. So basically to expect a lot of changes right away, it was kind of foolish and people should understand that. And I uh, I, I just felt that uh, the Ukraine going to go and uh, going in the right direction with him. But right now, I think everybody see what when happened when a war uh, started, that everybody, even the one who critiqued him, now see him in a different level, that he is truly a patriot. He is truly a good leader. And he is truly faithful to this country and has its best interest in his heart. And now he has the, the whole country united for him. You told me that monitoring this war is like moving through the five stages of grief. Yeah, I heard about those five stages of grief. So after I kind of analyzed what I was experiencing, I was like, wow, I was moving through them. Yes. So at the beginning, it was a shock and basically denial, like it can be, like it's not possible. So uh, when I heard from my mom that were bombed, it was my late night and it was her early morning when she called me. She texted me actually, and I couldn't fall asleep after that. It was my sleepless night. I was worried sick, sick about her. And then after that, several days, I felt like I need to wake up from the nightmare because it can be real. It just can't. Then I moved to the stage when I was like, okay, wait a minute. Bargain, right? I need to do something. People don't know what's going on because uh, in Russia, they don't have Facebook. They, they don't have uh, really uh, um, different informational sources. You know, they're limited. They need to know as, lo- as, as soon as they know what's going on for real – they would be shocked as me and they you would, would stop. Hope so. I would hope that they would put the stop for that. They would go on the street. They would just like say, or oh, Russian troops, they don't know. They, I thought they, they don't know where they, because they're saying we were going to a training operation or something like this. They were not even new as what, what, whatever they're saying when they captured that they didn't know that they're actually in Ukraine. They still thought that they're still in, the, in their own country doing some training. Uh, so I was thinking as long as soon as they find out they're going to not uh, going and shoot our people. Yeah, you thought reason would prevail. I would reason. I, I start doing stuff like trying to share information, get all the people I know from Russia or who has relatives or friends in Russia and trying to tell them to information, try to tell them to tell those people to share the information and doing something. And I was shocked that many people just even didn't want to respond and didn't want to get involved or kind of like didn't even answer anything. They were like ostriches, you know, like put their hand in the, in, in the, in the sand and don't want to hear about anything. So basically after that agit- agitated state, when I was trying to do something, then I just like uh, hear more and more about the escalation and about uh, uh, horrible things happening. And then I start feeling hate you know i i don't know i'm very i'm very um i'm a big pacifist i'm i'm against all kind of violence and feeling hate is like really hurting me even more than any other and i hate to feel that hate and and i couldn't feel the hate for everybody because i know so many wonderful russian people 
who is supporting Ukraine even right now, who, who, is, who called me and said, how's your mom? I can't believe that's happening. So basically, but I was feeling hate for those soldiers who are doing all these horrible things. And obviously, I, I hate Putin so much. <laughs> Just, I couldn't even imagine I could hate a person so much. After that, I see that things escalated and uh, I start feeling feeling helpless. Nothing happening. Nothing is not stopping. And more people start getting killed or injured. And I get into uh, helplessness and uh, I guess depression. I was obviously I was crying from the first day, every day. And then I just like, okay, I, I, I can't do anything. I, it's, it's useless. So I really get into the like very bottom feelings. Like when you kind of feel like you can't do anything, everything is pointless. And um, I think recently I start moving to acceptance that I'm accepting that I can't reasoning with people who were brainwashed. I'm not going to. As soon as they kind of like I, I hear or, or see that they're not on the same page with me, you just stop. I just stop talking. It doesn't make sense, really. It doesn't worth my effort. I am accepting that there is a war. I feel like it is real now. But I start feeling that I'm not really that much helpless. I can do things, maybe little thing. I don't know if it's going to help much or not, but I believe that if everybody's going to do a little bit all together, it will make a difference. So basically right now, I'm trying um, to do uh, some participate in fundraising, whatever I hear that they're supporting Ukraine, I'm there. Um, I am uh, signing some, I signed some petitions, um, helping people in need. The people I know, I sent some money to people that I personally know and they needed some money, so we sent that. I intend to do as much as I can. I mean, participating in a demonstration, sharing the information, doing fundraising, um, all kind of things. What do you think is most helpful for regular people to do in a time like this? So I think even slightest show of support to Ukraine even wearing a little bit like a color of a flag of, of the Ukrainian flag on you to show your support to demonstrations in your city to prompt your leaders to do something. It's a great deal for me and my family because we feel that support and it is like um, feeling of not abandonment, that feeling that you are with somebody, somebody is backing you up, and you're not fighting alone, and everybody is with you, at least, you know, mentally with you, if not physically. Uh, so basically, uh, all the help with the money and humanitarian help, it's, it's, it's great, it's great. But if you can't do that, and you just at least show something, I don't know, on the social media or say something or wear something or uh, go fundraising or, or um, I don't know, do the demonstrations to show your support. I think that's really help, even though you think, well, how can it help? It, it does. It does help. It matters a lot. Show it that when, when people in Ukraine see all these demonstrations around the world for them, they feel really thankful 
and not abandoned, and it gives them strength. Thanks for listening to our conversation. Read the show notes for this episode to learn how you can help Ukraine and its people. Follow Diary of a Nation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review my work at Apple Podcasts.